This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Odds and Audible's podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel. Uh, Eric, I think you and I were both expecting this football game to be a hotly contested one from the start. And all the way until the fourth quarter, uh, we both picked Oregon to win, so mm-hmm. we're not necessarily surprised that Oregon walks out of the Coliseum with their eighth straight victory, sixth straight victory in Pac-12 play. I think the surprising factor is that the manner in which this game was won and how they got to that that point after a first quarter in which they had no points and they were trailing ten to zero. I think I said to you as we were walking to In-N-Out Burger before the game, so everybody knows our, our lunch schedule, that I thought worst case, best case scenario, Oregon was going to win by like two or three scores. Yes. That was that was where I was. Like best case, they were going to win by like 14, maybe 17, 20 points. Uh, this was much worse than that. In fact, if you take away a late USC touchdown, this is a 56-17. I don't think we said the final score. It was 56-24. If anyone's listening to this podcast, who somehow did not catch the final score, which I find... Highly unlikely. Largest margin of victory for an Oregon football team in over 100 years over USC. Well, that's a good stat. That's a good stat. <laughs> we're, just looking, we're just talking about trying to find that stat, and uh, there it is. Uh, very impressive, and uh, again, Oregon, it was a really weird. We should just start, I think, the end of the first half here. Oregon is trailing 10-7 with about five minutes to play in the half. USC has the ball at, like, the five-yard line. It looks like they're going to go in to score to go up 10 points. And Drayton Carbrook forces a sack. Breeze recovers. Oregon drives the length of the field. Jalen Red scores a rushing touchdown. Basically, the next play for USC is a pick six that Oregon scores. USC drives it all the way down the field, scores a touchdown with 20 seconds to go, and you're like, okay, that kind of kills the momentum a little bit. But nope. Ensuing kickoff, Mikhail Wright takes it 100 yards for a touchdown. And from there, it was just in total butt-kicking here. Um, Oregon would score four more touchdowns without USC getting on the board uh, in the third and fourth quarter. Juwan Johnson with three of those. Micah Pittman. Uh, with his second touchdown as a duck, and, and the route was on, and really impressive. Oregon basically has clinched the Pac-12 North. I guess Oregon State's still alive. They're three and two right now, and Oregon uh, is at six and zero. Oh, so theoretically, the Beavers could catch up or something. But this one's pretty much nice. And, and with what Utah did in Seattle Day and what Oregon did in Los Angeles, it looks very, very likely this is an Oregon-Utah conference championship game in Santa Clara on December 6th. In fact, it would be utterly shocking if it's not at this point. Um, I want to look at the drives. Yeah, go ahead. Because, like you mentioned in the first quarter, the offense was terrible. Yeah, it did not start well. I mean, they had negative two yards after the first two drives of the game, three quick, two three and outs back-to-back. They then got a first down, got 18 yards, uh, and they were down 10 points going into going into the second quarter. Oregon's next, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight drives of this football game. Six plays, 59 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 95 yards, touchdown. Interception return for a touchdown. Kickoff return for a touchdown. Seven plays, 80 yards, touchdown. Six plays, 34 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 92 yards, touchdown. 
nine plays, 91 yards, touchdown. And the only thing that literally stopped Oregon from the second quarter on was the game ended. Five plays, 28 yards, end of game. That Literally the only thing that, that could stop Oregon was the game itself running out of time. And I just I keep going back to the 2012 football season when Oregon came down here. Marcus Mariota was a freshman. Kenyon Barner ran for a school record 321 yards. USC could not stop Oregon's offense at all. And in that football game, USC, I think, jumped out to an early lead, and Oregon kind of settled themselves in, found themselves, and then proceeded to just kick the snot out of USC. And in that game, with the difference in that game and this game, is that USC could still score. They were still moving the football. And you look at after USC went up 10-0, to Eight plays, 42 yards, interception. Ten plays, 70 yards, fumble. Two plays, zero yards, interception. They had a touchdown just before half. End of half. Eight plays, 47 yards, interception. Punt, punt, and then Oregon pulled their starters and they scored a touchdown. Yeah. Oregon for three for one quarter played almost as worse as almost as bad of a situation as you could have in this type of an environment, and then played as good as they possibly could. Outside of the penalties, yes, we should say that that was and, significant. And I mean, that, that's that's the crazy thing is that I don't know the number of that they had. Well, I'm, I'm looking right now, but twelve for 157. Yeah, they had 157 <laughs> yards in penalties, wow. and they still won by over 30 points. I can't get over the fact they had 157 yards in penalties and they they dominated this game. Okay, man, here's a question for you: Is this the best? Overall performance on the season for yes. Oregon offense defense because yes we should I mean one thing I think we should mention you overcome 150 yards of penalties and win by 30 on the road against a team in USC where you could argue they are not well coached they have they gave up in this football game but on paper they are the fourth most talented football team in college football and you treated them like they were UC Davis. I think the thing is, like, I, it would be fun to go back and listen to some of our podcasts from, like, early October, late September, after, like, the Stanford and Cal games, and we're talking about, like, right. is this Oregon offense ever going to be Get going. going? Like, what's going on here? And then the last four games, 45 against Colorado, 35 against Washington, 37 against Washington State, and now 56 against USC. They've figured it out. And defensively, um, obviously, they didn't hold USC out of the end zone, but right. it, was the, it was a significantly more impressive performance against an air raid uh, offense. I mean, Washington, Washington State, Really figured some stuff out, and, and tip of the cap to those teams for for really challenging Oregon through the air. USC has significantly better wide receiver talent than anyone Oregon has played, and certainly better than they have remaining on the schedule. And nobody for none of those big three, the Michael the Michael Pittman, the Amon Ross, St. Brown, Tyler Vaughns, that big three, which you know probably all those guys are going to be NFL players, probably going to be close to first, second round picks. All three of those guys. Uh, none of them had more than 75 yards receiving. None of them averaged more than 10 yards per catch. So I think a really good job by the defense there. And, again, just like I agree, I think all in all, the Colorado game is obviously super impressive. The Nevada win where you scored 77 points and held them to six or whatever it was, super impressive. But, like, in terms of the caliber of opponent and where you're playing the game, this was, I think, the moment where the light bulb comes on. Because let's be honest, after the Washington-Washington State game, I think there was a little bit, I don't want to say there were, Concern. Yeah, I wouldn't say they were doubting Oregon, but there was definitely a level of like, okay, maybe they're not quite what we thought they were. But after this game, um, and with what's remaining on the schedule, Oregon's just like they're they're locked and loaded for you know at the very worst playing in the conference championship game. And if they win that game, and the way everything else settles in, they might be playing in the college football playoff. Yeah, you look at this afterwards. Mario Cristobal was asked about that, 
and his first answer was the fact that you, he said, if you know me and you guys do, that I'm always what's at our fingertips, what's at the you know week ahead. We're not going to look beyond the next week. And he said, for this week, it's a bye week, so it's getting healthy and whatnot. But he said, as for the overall discussion of the college football playoff, he dropped a, a pretty money money line quote. I got the quote here, yeah. Without question, I think we need to be in the conversation. I'm not going to shy away from that. That's just a matter of fact. Yeah. And the reality is, in this football game, you can argue that there's there's signature wins. You can argue that there's games in which you're, you get quality wins because of how many wins your opponent has and top 25 wins and, and whatnot. But And the reality is there's still some kind of human element in the college football playoff. And going into Los Angeles – in the Coliseum, taking on a USC team that going into the game was in first place in the Pac-12 South. And you can argue how muddy the waters are in the mm-hmm. Pac-12 South. Uh, but the reality is, is they were ranked, they were they were first in the standings in the Pac-12 South. And Oregon went in and just crushed them and delivered a you know, knockout blow after knockout blow. And this was a statement. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you're going to argue that the college football playoff does not have a human element in it, and it does. And beating a, a USC team, because their name still means a heck of a lot, the way in which Oregon did on national TV the week before, the, you know, the weekend before the college football playoff rankings get released, yeah, that this is going to matter. This is going to be a game that helps Oregon. And it opens the idea from a national perspective of, wow, they're actually really good. They're mm-hmm. eight. They've won eight straight since Auburn, a game in which they lost in the final seconds. And look, the committee, they are supposed to factor in injuries. And as crazy as it sounds, Oregon can go out and with this game and say, look, we have a healthy Jawan Johnson. Look at the impact that he has on this football team. Yeah, and a healthy Micah Pittman now, too, who also, I mean, like those two guys combined for 10 of the team's 23 receptions and all four touchdowns and 160, 172 of the 266 yards receiving. Those guys are clearly two of, if not the two most valuable wide receivers. It's kind of wild looking at this. Johnny Johnson, I didn't realize, didn't catch a pass yeah. all game. Um, and that I'm, that's certainly that's the first surprising. time this season, and that's a little surprising. Uh, he was playing quite a bit, too, so... Um, Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think just a couple other things here offensively. Justin Herbert, it felt like he hadn't played a great game, but you look at the stats, 21 for 26, 225 yards, three touchdowns. He, had he the ran one pick, for a touchdown. ran for a touchdown. Like, that's an <laughs> extremely good performance from him. And then his touchdown run, by the way, yeah. we, don't talk, we haven't talked at all about it, and it's not going to generate a lot of discussion, I think, from a national perspective. That was a damn impressive play. 
Well, and we spent the whole year talking about how he doesn't keep need to keep it. He needs to keep it. Well, and then we and then we saw we saw later in the, I guess it was in the second half on that first drive where he gets hit. We should mention he gets hit. Crystal says thigh level, so not yeah. knee, which was interesting. To we have, we also need to justify that he got hurt. And, and it looked like he was maybe going to be knocked out for a significant portion of the game. Nope, he comes back in later in the series, throws his uh, first touchdown pass of, of the game. Someone came into the room and I guess wanted to have a conversation with us and then decided <laughs> to leave, so it's okay. They're lost. Um, uh, so I, I thought a great performance from him. And then the other thing is, like, we talked all week about how we thought, like, I predicted they'd have more than 250 yards rushing. You said 275. They had 139, and they, they won by 32 run. points. I mean, I, I wrote a whole story on the site about the offensive line was going to win this football game because they were going to be able to run the football. And, you know, USC is one of the worst teams in the conference in stopping the run. And quite honestly, it was Oregon's defense getting – and slash special teams getting mm-hmm. two huge touchdowns mm-hmm. in late in the second quarter to give them 14 points, uh, build a, a two-score lead twice after USC – or one time after USC got within a couple points. And then in the second half, it – it was Justin Herbert in the passing game. And we also should note, you know, Tyler Sheck got involved in the passing yeah, game as well. Threw a touchdown pass to Micah Pittman. So the biggest thing I take away from this is that Oregon now has basically won every game this season in different manners. True. They've This one was a complete, I think, just dominant performance all the way around uh, against Washington State. In Washington, they won those football games because – their offense, A, was able to run the football, and they were able to kind of get into a shootout and play that shootout style and win. You know, they had games against California. They had games against Stanford in which they leaned on their defense when their offense was not doing anything. And so they're going into the, the first weekend, of, uh, uh, excuse me, they're going into the you know a, a bye week, their second bye week of, November, of the season with three games left in, in mid-November knowing that they now have the ability, and they've shown it against good competition, mm-hmm. that they can win any type of game, whether it's a shootout, whether it's a defensive struggle, or they can come in and they can just body up a, a really talented football team and handle handle their business. Entering the season, I think we knew this stretch here. Um, I don't I don't know where we want to say it starts, but we knew the stretch here. I would say just the October 19th through this game was the toughest part of the season, and, and that yeah. we were going to learn a lot about this program and this team in that in that section, and to go out and beat. Let's just reflect on the fact that they went out on the road this season and they beat Washington yep, in Seattle, on the road. Washington State, who they hadn't beaten in almost half a decade, at home. and at home, and then USC on the road. And they went on Stanford. I was going to say, and they beat Stanford. That was obviously a different portion of the season. That's three games before the, the Washington game. But, like, all of those things come together now, and you look up, and it's it's pretty dang impressive. I think you need to reflect on that fact of just they go to bye this week, enjoy the bye week if you're an Oregon fan. I know the players and the coaches are going to, Love having a bye week right now, but they got through this five game stretch here, Cal and Colorado before those three games I mentioned, um, unscathed and pretty healthy. I mean, they're going into bye week with some guys dinged up. Troy Dye played. We haven't talked about that yet. Travis Dye did as well. Um, there's five guys named out for the season so far, but like overall, they're doing okay health wise. They get a bye week to kind of rest and, and get kind of healed up as best as possible. And then two of the last three games are at home against. We should mention Oregon State is. Second in the Pac-12 right now in the North, um, and that maybe that's going to be a more interesting game than we expected in the Civil War. But with the way Oregon looked tonight, I, I don't expect it to be that interesting at all. Oregon goes into a bye week now with three games left uh, at home against Arizona in two weeks. Um, I think Duck fans can expect that game to be a night game on the road at Arizona State against a team that's 
got a pretty good defense. Kind I think of, they're kind of free falling right I, now. Yeah, I think their offense though is kind of bottomed out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's opened maybe the door for you know Oregon to go in there and have an interesting situation of opportunity to win another big game on the road, and then they close out the regular season uh, with the Civil War at home against the Oregon State Beavers. Who, mind you, we are in the month of November, yeah. and they have the second place in the Pac-12 North all to themselves right now. Uh, I think that's even more surprising than, than, than this outcome. Um, but I'm going to ask you this, and I'll answer my answer as well, Eric. What are the odds? Are you buying or selling that Oregon now finishes out 3-0 and the rest of the way, uh, and they go 9-0 and in conference play? I'm buying all of it. I'm buying all the stock. The Arizona State game is the one that maybe you're concerned about, but like we should mention that Oregon State just took a crap on Arizona today on the road, and Arizona comes to Austin in a couple weeks. I don't think that game is going to be very competitive. Arizona State on the road, like I said, that could be competitive. And maybe this Oregon State team is going to show up. I don't necessarily buy into the fact that they're going to be on Oregon's level, especially defensively with how good Oregon has looked now the last three weeks with, you know, or four weeks, I should say, including that Colorado game, with some really strong offensive performances. Um, yeah, I'm buying all the stock. I, I don't have a whole lot of reservations. I think barring something crazy happening, I'm knocking on as much wood as I can possibly find in front of me. Um, or Oregon should be 9-0 and heading into the tactical championship game. I'm I'm going to take it a step further that I now really believe that this team is a college football playoff contender. I do too. I, I think that they've shown a ton of toughness, a ton of mental fortitude in this football game uh, this season. They've now set themselves up with Utah winning at Washington this weekend as well. Um, they have a, a potential top ten matchup. Yeah, a marquee game. Th- that's going to be a marquee game, and it realistically could be a number five versus a number six uh, in the Pac-12 championship game in Santa Clara. So I, I think that they have shown enough, or not enough, but they've you know they have stated their case that they are in the discussion. And as Mario Cristobal said, I don't think there is any doubt now that. Oregon is in the college football playoff, and when the, re- the rankings get released on Tuesday, yeah. they're not going to be one, they're not going to be two, three, or four, even five or six. No, but I think they might be five or six. They might be five or six. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, they're, they're going to be in the discussion, and it's not going to be looked at as, oh, wow, they're going to need total chaos for them to get in the college football playoff. They are, they are playing at that level where you look at this team, and that's a team that can go in – and compete in a college football playoff. The, 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 there are five unbeatens that are ahead of Oregon right now, and I don't think Oregon's going to jump any of them. And honestly, this is one of those things where you get frustrated because Oregon schedules a game against Auburn, and they lose that game, and it kind of comes back to bite them. Yep. At the same time, they should be the, the highest-ranked one-loss team. Um, I would be surprised. Georgia did go beat Florida. I 24-17. Know. It was a close game, but I, I would hope and imagine that the playoff committee looks at what Oregon has done, the stretch they've been on, the fact that Georgia's loss is to South Carolina and Oregon's loss is to Auburn. Um, or, Oregon, who also won today. Who also did win today. I would think Oregon's going to be ranked sixth, maybe fifth. Maybe they'll nudge out Penn State at the end there. I, I don't know, but um, that's where kind of my perception is. I want to run down just some defensive stats sure. because I don't think we got to any of these guys. But how about Brady Breeze? Uh, team high, seven tackles. Had the pick six you mentioned. Also recovered the fumble. Best game he's at. He is going to start against Arizona. He talked about that yeah. in post game. Uh, Nick Pickett was uh, knocked out of the game or ejected, I should say, for a helmet to helmet targeting call. He is uh, going to be suspended for the first half against Arizona by rule. You have to miss four quarters um, when that takes place. Breeze will be getting his first career start. He was really excited about that. We'll have some stuff on the site um, sometime this weekend. Uh, and then how about Drayton Carlbrook? Pretty quiet, maybe, but. Two and a half tackles for loss, one sack. He had that forced fumble. 
that was a big game. Uh, Dehamade Lenore had an interception for 45 yards. McKinley had the other one. Uh, a couple other guys here. Kayvon Thibodeau with the sack and a, and a tackle for one and a half tackles for loss. DJ Johnson quietly, I think, five tackles, a sack, and a tackle for loss. Kayvon Thibodeau had a really good game. He did. Yeah, he did have a very good game. Um, and, and really, most of these guys did. There weren't. There's not a lot to really nitpick about. The only the season. only thing to nitpick is the penalties. Is the penalties, yeah. And, and we should mention uh, Austin Folly was also ejected, ejected, but he will be eligible. But he to will play. be eligible to play uh, because it happened in the first half. So um, that that's beneficial, I guess. But like, I, I'm sure that's going to be a huge part of this next week of uh, during the bye week of. We got to figure out some. Dis- the discipline has to be better. Uh, you can't have. A, I still can't get over the fact that you have 157 penalty yards and you still win as lopsided. And actually, here's another interesting stat I saw looking at the the, the, the stat line here. USC had more first downs than Oregon in this game. <laughs> how's that? Doesn't make any. How sense. is that? USC had 31 first downs. Oregon had 30. Um, and USC gained 355 yards. Oregon gained 405. So Oregon had a slight edge there, but it was pretty close. Um, Regardless, defense deserves a ton of credit for for everything that happened there. And, and again, I think you're setting up a situation here where, look, the defense had these incredible statistical you know highs here from the Nevada game all the way through the Colorado game of one touchdown allowed. I think it was like 67 possessions or something like that with one touchdown drive. Last three games, the numbers have gone down a little bit. I'm not going to be totally shocked if we see this defense reemerged statistically against Arizona and Arizona State. Oregon State's pretty good offense, so I think they're, they're going to score a little bit. But, like, Arizona's got some dudes offensively, but they're really bad defensively. I could see that being a game where Oregon just dominates the clock and Arizona doesn't have much chance. And Arizona State does not look good offensively right now. No. And that's a Jaden Daniels. Keaton Slovis has been the better quarterback than Jaden Daniels the last yes. month of the season. And Oregon made that this true freshman tonight look pretty pedestrian. Um, he had moments, too. You know, that first touchdown pass Slovis had, I was really impressed with how he stayed in the pocket and avoided he a couple sacks and, and threw a touchdown pass to, to Drake London um, to get them ahead. But... I think Oregon's going to be up for the challenge um, against Arizona State on the road, and I could see that being another game where, where the defense puts up some eye-popping numbers. Last part of this podcast before we wrap this one up, we just got the post-game notes sent in from Oregon, um, some historical stat context and whatnot. Uh, Oregon is now off to a 6-0 start for conference play for the first time since 2012. They're the first team to start Pac-12 play 6-0 since Washington State in 2016. Uh, Oregon has an eight-game winning streak, which is the longest winning streak since winning nine in a row in 2014, a year in which they played in the college football championship game. Uh, they've won now 11 of its last 12 games dating back to last season. Uh, they've won eight consecutive conference games, Oregon's longest winning streak in league play since taking eight in a row between 2011 and 2012. Uh, it's... 15th of its last 18 games as a top 10 team that they've won. Um, let's see here, a couple more. Handed USC its worst home loss since 2009. Just the third team ever to score 56 plus points against USC at home. The 32 point win is the second largest margin of victory for Oregon over USC with its largest coming in the first meeting between the teams in 1915. That's kind of surprising right. as well. Uh, and then just kind of speaks to your comment earlier, or excuse me, uh, in the last seven meetings against USC, uh, Oregon is averaging 45.9 points per game and 45 plus in five of those games. Uh, And last but not least, just want to see this, Oregon has, the defense now has 17 interceptions on the year after picking off three tonight. 
Uh, and they've come away with an interception in 15 of the last 18 games, including eight games over that stretch with more than two two or more. Uh, and now have 11 different players with an interception this season after Brady Breeze and Lenore both got their first picks of the season. Uh, and during the eight-game win streak, they've also forced 18 turnovers. So uh, Oregon's defense clicking, Oregon's offense clicking, special teams is now clicking. Uh, Ducks sit 8-1. and one. Overall, 6-0 and in conference play alone in the Pac-12 North. And head home tonight with a bye week on the horizon. Good time to be a Duck fan, I think. Good times. So for Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prane. Thanks for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. We'll talk to you later. Adios, amigos. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.